The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Teachers. So this evening, I thought I'd start by reading a poem. Today, I'm flying low, and I'm not saying a word. I'm letting all the voodoos of ambition sleep. The world goes on as it must, the bees in the garden rumbling a little, the fish leaping, the gnats getting eaten, and so forth. But I'm taking the day off, quiet as a feather. I hardly move, though really I'm traveling a terrific distance. Stillness, one of the doors into the temple. And that's a poem called Today by Mary Oliver. So Tuesday night, we were talking about spaciousness as one of the qualities that supports kindness and compassion by not rushing around, not pressuring ourselves and others. We give a sense of spaciousness that is kindness in itself, you know, kind of offering ourselves and others lots of room is compassionate towards whatever struggles we're each going through. And it allows our human experience to just be the way it is instead of unrealistically expecting, you know, more expecting perfection from ourselves and others, this idea of spaciousness leaves room that we need for growth. Uh, Spaciousness can also support being present for the unfolding of experience um, at the pace where we can keep up with it with mindfulness. Um, I mentioned, and you all, I think, did a wonderful job of doing this in conversation in the breakout groups, allowing the time it takes for people to express themselves rather than the way we as a culture rush to squeeze in the next point in a conversation. It's nice to offer ease and support and take time um, to treat one another humanely, um, whether it's people we know or people we don't know. Another quality I've been reflecting on that supports kindness and compassion is the relative stillness that we undertake in meditation. At first, when we sit still in meditation, when we're new to it, it sort of serves as a reference point or a counterpoint that shows us, by contrast, just how busy the mind is. By being physically still, we get to notice that the mind is really far from it. And um, this stillness gives awareness or mindfulness the space, the time, uh, the way to get acquainted with the pull of all these mental habits that we've conditioned up to the point that we take up practice. And these these habits of mind continue as we all know, for quite a while. (laughs) Um, So these habits of wanting, you know, greed for what we think will lead to ultimate happiness, habits of pushing away what we don't want, even though it's already here, habits of succumbing to resistance or dullness physically or mentally, habits of restlessness that refuses to land in the present moment, 
as it jumps from one future plan to another or gets caught in regret about the past and habits of doubt that block our ability to utilize the Dharma, um, our, to engage in awareness and meditation. But our physical stillness supports our ability to get to know that mind that's doing all this stuff over time. And unwholesome habits start to fall away and cultivate even more inner stillness, the quality of equanimity. So when it comes to loving kindness practice and compassion practice, um, and any of these Brahma Viharas, including sympathetic joy, equanimity, we relinquish, we kind of give up for a time, or we still these other preoccupations. And instead, we cultivate these qualities of care, goodwill, friendliness, compassion for ourselves and for others. Um, inner and outer stillness actually support our ability to focus on these, to keep coming back to focusing on kindness and offering it, compassion and offering it. Over time in doing this, you know, instilling the mind and replacing what's going on with these Brahma Viharas, it strengthens our ability to stay collected on in, in the mind and to stay, we stay collected on loving kindness. Um, it then becomes an ability that we can take into our daily lives and we can take it into daily life from the beginning, but we can be moving around going about our day and sending loving kindness, sending compassion, sending joy or sending equanimity towards the people we encounter all day long. So uh, just this evening, the focus on what is it like, where are we still, where are we not still? And I'll read that poem one more time for anybody who came in a little late. Today, and, and it can be an entree into our meditation this evening. <clears throat> Today I'm flying low and I'm not saying a word. I'm letting all the voodoos of ambition sleep. The world goes on as it must. The bees in the garden rumbling a little, the fish leaping, the gnats getting eaten, and so forth. But I'm taking the day off, quiet as a feather. I hardly move, though really I'm traveling a terrific distance. Stillness, one of the doors into the temple. So settling into meditation is a process. Allowing it time as you adjust your posture. Notice what's going on with you right now. And coming into stillness is a process. It takes it takes some time. It takes its own time. Allowing whatever is moving in and moving through the body to be known. 
allowed, giving that movement within space and time and recognition, not expecting to force it to a halt. Similarly, allowing the mind and whatever's moving through it to be known, not trying to still it, but allowing what's here right now. Allowing feeling to be known. Whatever we're aware of, when it's allowed and known with some friendliness, some interest, It can then, in its own time, come to a rest. Kind of the way a marble, if it slid down the side of a bowl, will rock back and forth in the bowl and ultimately come to a rest to stillness. When the mind and body have come to some degree of stillness and you're ready, bringing to mind someone to whom you'd like to send compassion. You see them struggling. You see some difficulty that they're facing. And you're not trying to fix them. Just allowing their good qualities to come into your mind in their own time. And the fact that this person, like us, like anyone, want to be free of struggle, want to be contented or happy in their lives.
allowing your care about this person to emerge naturally. and allowing your feelings of compassion to arise. You can simply <clears throat> send those feelings their way in the form of thoughts or physical sensations, imagining them traveling from your heart-mind to this other person. Or if it is supportive, you're free to quietly whisper in your own mind wishes of compassion for them. They might sound like this, or they might be your own phrases. I care about the struggle you're going through. I care about your pain. I wish you well-being. I wish you safety. I wish you freedom from this suffering. May you come to live with ease. And continuing in your own way to offer compassionate wishes, kind wishes to this person.
Sometimes when the mind is relatively more still, it has the space and the wisdom to recognize that each of us goes through our own struggles, and yet we can care for one another. We can offer compassion that doesn't try to interfere, but is willing to be there for the person in the ways that they might want and need. Sometimes just the caring ear, the caring listener. the space to be known in their difficulty is what is important.
Other times, compassion does call for direct action on our part of some kind. And stillness offers us the opportunity to do that wisely from a place of non-reactivity and considered care. If it feels appropriate for you, you may wish to expand the compassion practice to all those who suffer from the same conditions or similar conditions to the friend or the person for whom you've been offering compassion. Taking in all the people around the world who are struggling in the same way and sending wishes of care, wishes for their freedom from suffering, for their well-being. Or if it's more appropriate, feel free to continue with the practice you have been doing.
Perhaps some other words that we could um, associate with stillness include being grounded or being centered, uh, being non-reactive. And um, it's a relative quality, as I've mentioned before. So we may not be completely still internally, but this relative quality of stillness and space can be a great service um, in offering compassion to others. And definitely it's being grounded and centered and non-reactive helps when we are participating in discussion with other people. Because no matter what they're saying, what they're offering, we can stay centered in um, the quality of really listening compassionately to what they're telling us, what they're offering. Um, And as we go uh, soon into our breakout groups, we can bring that quality of caring um, by not reacting, by simply listening when it's someone else's turn to speak um, with our whole hearts and caring about what the other person has to say, even if it really differs from our experience or if it's the same. So um, we usually make short rounds where people share one idea at a time and then let the next person take a turn so that we can make several rounds of the group in the 10 minutes we have. And um, each person is invited to share from their own experience, not about anybody else's. And to then when we come back to the large group to keep confidential what you've heard someone say, not assign their name to any inspiration or um, question you have. Um, We'll be in the room, as I said, for 10 minutes. And the reflection this evening might be one potential idea is what kinds of things um, help you when you are struggling, when you um, are going through any kind of difficulty what things support your coming to some groundedness, some centeredness, some stillness? Um, so with that, please enjoy your time. And if you find yourself in a room uh, by yourself, no worries. I will find you and move you to a room with others. Enjoy. minutes for sharing um, any inspirations, any thoughts, questions, any experience that you're going through. Yes, Neil, please. So, Hi, thank you. Um, so I found myself very, I picked a person who I was very attached to and I really wanted them to get better. You know, and I found myself very attached to them, right? Which, you know, I, I certainly recognized as, you know, you know, being, you know, greed, you know, and, you know, wanted them to stop, which was aversion. You know, found myself giving myself some compassion, right? Because, you know, that's 
clearly, you know, road to Duca. Um, I'm wondering what else you could recommend. I just want to support the beautiful practice that you did in recognizing that sometimes we we want someone to get better. Of course we do. But sometimes there's this leaning into an agenda of, ah, they've just got to get better. This is, you know, I don't like this or this is aversive. So I I think what you're doing is excellent. You know, giving yourself compassion because sometimes what we're what we're hooked into is some aspect of our own experience that we might not even consciously know at the time. But um, often when someone else is suffering, we it can be an affliction in our lives too. I mean, you know, depending on the type of suffering, for example, we could define um, unpleasant workplace behavior as coming from suffering, but it doesn't mean that it's not having an impact. So uh, this is kind of what's coming to me as I hear you, but I'm not sure the specifics. There's such a huge range here of the types of suffering. So would you say a little more or would you like to? Well, one of my sons is having a difficult time. Right. So, I mean, I, right. I mean, it seemed an obvious person to give compassion to. And then, you know, just like too much of me was going there, if you will. Right. And I have such compassion for this because as a parent, you know, from the time someone's an infant, you're 100% responsible. And then there's this gradation throughout life where you become you're supposed to maybe give them more responsibility and have less yourself, but you're always going to care and you're always going to want Mm. them not to suffer. So, um, you know, especially if you're an adult parent of adult children, this is really tough. I notice, especially in those, that first decade of adult life, the twenties, when people are even into their thirties, into, you know, the big passages that people go through. So I can't recommend uh, anything better than what you're doing in offering compassion to yourself. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And as you have other inspirations, Neil, please share them with the group because I think that you're not the only one (laughs) here who goes through that. Just guessing. Yes, Claire. Yes, what Neil talked about triggered something. I was wanted to get to something that's going on with me today, but it's a bigger story, actually. For whatever the reason, my life has been punctuated a lot with death of people around me. Uh, and I've actually become, I, I did grief counseling at 9-11 uh, because it's become, I, for whatever the reason, part of who I am. My next door neighbor, I only have one neighbor, is probably around 50 and he's dying of cancer. Uh, And it's exactly the same kind of situation that that Neil described. You know, I become so compassionate, I lose myself in the process. And it's a very hard line to to walk when you're that close to it. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And so it's a, a good reminder for me uh, to create a boundary. Yeah. Because I can't be helpful if I get too engaged, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this, this is, requires so much discernment. Because there are situations, you know, compassion doesn't mean that we're completely hands-off all the time. There are situations where, you know, we're called upon to do something, even if it's our child, or even even if we're emotionally over-involved, there's still discernment that, okay, this is useful. This is useful action. And then there's this piece where we get dragged in, or our own interests start to get in there, and that's where uh, it's a challenge and discerning can take time. We may have to, you know, revisit it as we are with it in different ways over time. You know, we try this, we think, ugh, that was a little sticky. Maybe if I try this, you know, it's life is a big experiment and we're all learning. But thank you. Claire. I, my husband actually did something that intuitively that was really right. I was going to take his wife out to lunch and talk to her and you know be really hands-on my husband instead asked our rector the rector of our church what to do and he suggested sending them flowers first and it worked out absolutely perfectly um they really appreciated the gesture but they didn't feel we were crossing a boundary it was really lovely that's wonderful. Yeah, acknowledgement. Sometimes just acknowledgement that someone is suffering or that they're having a hard time. I mean, doesn't that feel good uh, in many cases if we're having a hard time and someone says, wow, I, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this. I see you're going through a lot. And just that, that they don't, they're not turning a blind eye. Going too far, it's sometimes not helpful. Right. Thank you so much, Claire. And Jerry. Uh, well, first of all, again, thank you, Liz. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy your teaching. Uh, and again, tonight I joined a bit late. But one of the thoughts that has come to me that uh, along these lines of uh, <clears throat> boundaries is that uh, I'm much better when I have uh, a restorative sleep uh, in engaging in these uh, without sort of finding myself getting over-engaged. So it's, when you're really tired, you can find yourself, I find it almost becomes like a, uh, I come from Toronto where there's snow, it used to be, uh, a snowball rolls down the hill, it keeps getting bigger, you know, like, uh, so if you're tired, you can sometimes find yourself further along than you want to be. And then it really is more difficult. So it's helpful to uh, have prophylactic things in place to like getting a good night's sleep. Mm. It's such a good reminder, Jerry, that, you know, we're physical beings and sleep, food, you know, rest. Uh, there's all kinds of conditions that help us come show up, you know, our most discerning, our most balanced. And when the, when anything, you know, and we know ourselves, maybe or we get to know ourselves when we're off balance, how tough it is to cope with somebody else's suffering and and to be compassionate. Really appreciate the thought. Ali, please. Oh, you sound very far away. Can barely hear you. Can you hear me? I got the little uh, 
Uh, well, you're, you're you're quiet, but you can try. <laughs> can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, this is this okay. is better. Thank you. Okay. Now, now I'll just like really quickly on the light side. Sorry about the video. Uh, on what Neil was sharing uh, about the parent, uh, parent. My neighbor is like 80 years old, and then his son was visiting him. He checks on him, and then he was just yelling out the door that wear your jacket you're going to catch a cold and he turns around and he tells him like oh, dad i'm 60 years old still telling him to wear his jacket he's gonna you know so that stuff never goes away brother <laughs> yeah the caring never ends and that's a that's a sweet thing well thank you all very much if you'd like to unmute and say good night to one another and thank you <laughs>